0: So, uh, hey, Mike. Hey, Colin. Welcome to Divergent Opinions episode 13. Yes. 13, yes. All right. This week, I think, is uh, just another bit of a news roundup to talk about a few things that are uh, interesting that have happened in the last week or so. And then maybe next week we'll get to another big uh, educational topic.
1: A lot happened this week.
0: Well, oh, not oh. a lot one big thing and then a A lot of semi-interesting things yeah Yeah, it was was a good week you know it's it's a reminder of like what it's like to be back in uh in the fall after august you know things actually happen you know especially around hp Mm. poor hp um can i also say i know we don't don't need to get into it but uh let me just say again, and if they'd ever like to sponsor our show, we'd welcome it. But I really like Linode. I'm really happy with them.
1: Yeah, we're in the process of switching our site over now.
0: Yeah. And it's just been, you know, flawless from their perspective. Their support's been super responsive, like responses on tickets within minutes, and just easy and functional. And yeah, I'm going to feel so much better once we've moved over to these guys um, with the new the new setup we're doing. It should be good. So... Um, Yes, definitely recommend them. Any more about that? No. Okay. They're good. So, Final Cut X1001.
1: X1001. Right. Yeah.
0: So, first off, let's talk about the version scheme because I was sort of surprised about this, but it does. You know, Apple's got this problem um, that they've had for about a decade now. Which is that they put an X in their products that they think you should pronounce as a ten that people pronounce as x and then sometimes Apple pronounces them as x's as well um but then it becomes very confusing as to what the version of the product is so when have,
1: when have they ever wanted us to say ten
0: they say don't they say mac OS ten they don't say mac OS x
1: huh, I guess sometimes yeah,
0: yeah so the problem is, what do you do when you're ready to release your next version of your product that ends in an X? It um, is
1: perpetually named 10. Yeah,
0: right. And so with with Mac OS 10, of course, they've done 10.1, 10.2, 10.3, and it turns out that's what they're doing with Final Cut Pro 10 X. It's Final oh, it has Pro to 10, be an X because you know. it's 10 after that. Yeah, that's true too. It's not. But then what happened Final to versions Pro X? What happened uh, to versions eight and nine? Then shouldn't it be Final Cut Pro X? 801 I don't know. It's sort of like Adobe when they
1: I don't know why they didn't just reboot and call it X
0: one. 01. Yeah, this this is no. very confusing. In any case, what they've said is that um all versions of Final Cut Pro X are ten and that the next major release of Final Cut Pro X will be ten point one and so 10.0.1 is sort of like a point release would have been in the old days. So um you know when Final Cut 4.5 came out or 5.1 and they were you know major releases with lots of features and, and changes and and things like that. It was a, it was a big deal not like when 6.0.3 came out and just fixed a minor issue with, you know, XML or something.
1: So what are they going to do for a bug
0: fix? 10.0.1.1? Um,
1: 1. 1.
0: Or just, you know, maybe they don't do those anymore. <sighs>
1: why if there was anything i was pretty sure we had figured out at this point it was how to number a release like why do they why did this problem need
0: to get solved again in a new way right well but you know on the other hand it's not like they've ever had it's not like they have ever really run short of numbers in the old scheme you know i think version 7 i don't know i don't know what 7 ended up at but not much more than like 703 or something um and so maybe they'll just do a you know maybe 10.0.2 won't be as substantial as 10.0.1 I don't know but uh sure it's but- it's a little weird it was a little surprising when they said that I yeah
1: I mean I guess at this point they don't really care about versioning right because you're just going to always have the newest version I mean they're right. not I mean there's not really going to be a way to I don't think Apple ever plans on selling you an upgrade right because that's not really the App Store model. I mean, have they done anything where you have to pay for an upgrade yet? No, mm-hmm. I don't think so.
0: Lion, well, I guess. Yeah, but that's but that's, that's ten- a new product, essentially. I mean, as far as right. they, the way they think about it. And so they may do a Final Cut Pro X2 or something. Oh, God. X210.0. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know. OS oh, 10 only has a few years before they have to figure that out as well. Well, let's
1: hope this is not their dry run for that.
0: Yeah. Um, in any case, yeah, it actually did. It had
1: some things in it besides the wanky numbers. <laughs> it
0: did. You we don't should, want to talk about, talk about the numbers about a bit, bit more? I think it sounds really exciting. I we could look at to whether the uh, fact that it's a palindrome is meaningful about the state of Apple's support of pro customers. Mm. I guess it's not a palindrome if you count the periods, but it is if you just count the numbers. It's also binary. Okay. Uh,
1: so, yeah, so that XML.
0: <laughs> XML import-export. I was surprised.
1: Yes, you've dug into this already. Yeah. You got this. You're in.
0: Yes, we had a uh, XML exporter in one of our products up and running within about two hours of the release uh, because, hey, their XML schema actually makes sense, and you can generate it with NSXML. it's uh, valid xml now and it you know it's very nice when you're using the same tools that they presumably use to generate it to or to parse it to generate it it makes life a lot easier
1: well it's just good that they're actually using an xml parser and
0: not a pile of regex and replace or whatever they were before um so you know the scheme first off let's just talk about the fact that they added xml at all because i was surprised by that in general the way i interpreted what they were saying is that they were going to do a lower level SDK and let other people decide what sort of importers and exporters they wanted to do essentially as plugins or third-party applications that ran in conjunction with the app. Um, mm-hmm. And so when they they just went and added a file import XML and file export XML, I, I wasn't expecting that.
1: Huh. I mean, that was one of the things they said all along they were going to add.
0: Well, I thought they had said that they were going to have an, an SDK for import export, not XML directly, and I sort of figured they were going to let the industry support, or you know, add support for that. But mm, I mean, but think
1: about how poorly... I mean, the problem with that is XML is sort of a mezzanine format. The whole idea is that, you know what I mean, XML is the shim to get us from one third-party tool to another. Right. And if Apple doesn't dictate the DTD for that, the, the format of all of those tags, then... There really isn't any, I mean, I guess, automatic duck or someone could do it. But you know, if anyone does it for free, it's gonna get, or open source, it's gonna get forked and everything's gonna change. Right. And if anybody does a commercial product, it's going to segment the market between that and whatever free hippy-dippy crap is out there. True. And so you end up with, I mean, what, what do you do if you wanna make a tool that imports into Final Cut? You, I guess you either support the plugin directly. Right and that's kind of what I was expecting support but... 15 flavors of
0: xml which is a fiasco to say the least yeah so and they um they also have announced and confirmed through some sort of semi leaky you know people who were in meetings um that a bunch of products are already on board as you'd expect like davinci resolve um cat dv and uh, a variety of others are going to be adding support for for xml workflows um yeah you know, what, one other thing that I was a little surprised about is that because Final Cut X is a modern application, um, I sort of assumed... I, I know they use core data internally, um, but it seems like... Events
1: like, and projects are both core data files on disk.
0: Just... Right. I, I was sort of surprised to find that they aren't serializing everything in XML because I just sort of assumed that that would be by default in a modern application that you would essentially get... Everything you would need to reconstruct that project or that event, you know, from scratch um, in the XML, and they're they're not doing that. Um, so so far on the mailing list, the primary see- things I've seen that aren't getting passed um, mostly have to do with things like audio levels and and a sure. few other things that aren't aren't passed or you know don't round trip successfully. Um, right, and I don't know if that's oversight or a choice on their part. I mean, you know, historically, you know, one of the big issues with with XML and Final Cut, at least my interpretation was that. You know, Final Cut didn't get XML till version four, four five, something like that. It was um, always glommed on, and they never sort of ate their own dog food on it, and it was never the way they exchanged data with their other applications. Um, right, and so it was always pretty janky.
1: Right, and I see that's probably going
0: to be the way it goes going forward as well. Right, unfortunately, that that's that's sort of what I'm saying. is I was kind of hoping that what they would do is say, you know, hey, look, we're you know, you can import a project and it's all XML and whatever.
1: Right. Although part of, I mean, the hope is that they're a little more beholden to the system working now because they've sort of abdicated a lot of that responsibility for the ecosystem. Right. You know, the maxML has to work because you don't run trip through color anymore. You run trip through resolve.
0: Right. No, I mean, already the XML is infinitely better than the old XML. Um, In terms of implementation and sort of the clarity of how things relate and they've put up a dtd that is fairly readable um and so you know you know i definitely wouldn't complain about it i just you know it wasn't exactly what i was expecting
1: and they may still do a plugin but most likely if they do a plugin it's not something they're going to post on the developer forums they're going to
0: privately shop it around to friends right well and that's the other component of course of this is that they which also I
1: assume I mean I assume that is how automatic duck worked out at the gate
0: you know that's still a little weird because they did it by drag and drop right and so I think it's I mean obviously yeah automatic duck was on board you know from the start but I don't think it's through the SDK I think it's by getting the spec on how to deal with the pasteboard that you get on drag and drop
1: are they putting everything in the pasteport? We should look at that. I haven't.
0: I haven't looked, but that's my understanding is that that's how you get it via Dragon. I wonder Pro. if
1: they were just dumping XML in the pasteboard all along.
0: No, I think it was um, like the core data model or something. Huh. Know. Yeah. Interesting. Um, the other thing that came out in conjunction with XML was this camera SDK, which it appears is one of these private dealies where camera manufacturers can get an SDK to add their own importer plugin, uh, much like Sony used to have for. Uh, and will have again for their XD cam format. Right. That's going to be interesting.
1: I, so, the, yeah, I mean, they were really. What I found interesting about that was they seemed really. I mean, they specifically mentioned camera a number of times, correct? Yeah. I didn't see any mention of just like input plugin. Right. Which is surprising because I don't see why. What would preclude them from letting someone like AJ or Black Magic or Matrox write
0: log and capture? Right. Well, which I,
1: has been one of the big complaints. You know, one of the big things missing from.
0: Yeah, and and fans.
1: I'm certain sort of they, that that. they will do that. Yeah. Um, but but it's funny that they're going directly to the camera manufacturers and not.
0: Yeah. So that's, you know, it's all good news. And, and by and large, what I've seen in terms of the reaction online is that people are pretty, you know, pretty excited. Obviously, there are people who wanted everything all at once. But in terms of a point release two months after the initial product release, there's a lot in here. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, there the people who weren't convinced
0: before aren't convinced yet. But,
1: but some that's... people are
0: taking a second look, I think, um, you know, the people who who discarded it out of hand without really giving it a try are now saying at least maybe I'll give it a little try. Right. Um, you know what? So,
1: so what else? So they also added, I mean, they fixed a number of things. So they fixed, um, well, least came up with their solution for um, this, the lack of tracks now.
0: Right. Which I think is actually a really which, clever solution.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a great way to do it. Um, that a lot of, That most of the complaints I've seen have been around roles. So, roles is this new thing they've added, which is with the magnetic timeline, tracks sort of float, um, clips sort of float in arbitrary tracks as you edit. They move up up and down tracks and and kind of. The notion of tracks entirely is gone. Right. There's no implied stack.
0: No implied similarity between horizontally aligned items. Right. So,
1: it used to be, you know, most people's workflow was you put. You know, some types of audio on tracks one and two, and you put your interview audio on three, and then you put music on four, uh, you know, five and six, and effects on seven and eight, or whatever, whatever your setup was, you would have some sort of delivery specs on how you would cut all your stuff together. And that was used to sort of streamline the process of going to your, um, sound mix. That way the sound guy got similar content on the same track and they could sort of you know do global level things to specific types of media. And with the new magnetic timeline everything kind of just dumps out of the other end. And so what they've added is something called roles. The idea being that you tag all of your sound on tape and you tag all of your interview bytes and you tag all of your music and effects with various roles. And then those roles can be used to group content later in a sound mix. I think you can actually, during the export, you can yeah. target what tracks. And that's true of like
0: the like render out to to QuickTime as well, right? Yep, yeah, you get a lot more control over how roles are exported and you can spit them out as separate files and, and do all kinds of things with them once you've tagged your content that way. And so that's
1: nice. I mean, I think that's a good, I think that's a really good solution. I like that in a lot of ways better than
0: how well, it used to be. I mean, I think it's, it's a really elegant way to deal with the problem they were facing and actually makes life easier than the old way in a lot of in a lot of regards, without sort of forcing. Right. I mean,
1: it's a little bit harder to sort of scan your timeline right. for stuff. Although there's I mean, also in some... the same way that, that editors like to, or then, you know in the same way that your sound effects, guy, your sound mixer guy liked having these things in different tracks, so that it was easy for them to, you know, if they needed to check all of the interview bites, it was easy to do because you knew where they all were.
0: Well, the yeah. nice thing is you can actually turn roles on and off and flag them in different ways visually as well. So if you just wanna, you know, highlight the the dialogue tracks, you have a way to do that within the the timeline for lack of a better word, itself. Right.
1: But you end up doing it by color, not by
0: Sure. Yeah. Physical locality. Yeah. Which is
1: which is sort of a trend in general with Apple. They don't like they don't like physical locations connoting things anymore. I right. don't know why that is. Hmm. They don't like spatial organization. I mean, that's true in the Finder now, it's true in
0: everything. I don't know. know. Um, Other semi-interesting things, um, they announced it as adding support for XSAN. What they really mean is they added support for any shared storage. Exxon being their own brand of shared storage, but this also includes network drives or third-party SANS or anything that you can, that so you what can did connect. So what did they have to do to do that?
1: Well, do I mean...
0: What changed? You know, the primary change is that they added a locking mechanism um, to prevent two people from having the same project open at the same time. Okay. Um, and so they had you know didn't have that before and so they just completely prevented you from storing projects on the sand you could store media on the sand but not projects and events now you can store everything on your sand and you know media can of course be contained in different in multiple different projects um but you know just like with old final cut only one editor can work on an actual timeline at the same time and if right. you i mean know,
1: i mean the really nice thing now is that timelines are such a discrete object. Right. You know, it used to be you would have, you know, a movie would be a project file. And so, you know, the notion of locking that and sort of dealing with changes between were such a pain because you you had one large, you know, opaque thing that held everything. And so now, you know, the nice thing, that's one of the things I love most about the new event and project model. Right. Is you have. A you don't have a global container yeah and, and you can sort of mix and match them and have multiple people working on different projects and there you know it's a more granular look at what your you know what your entire project big capital p project is
0: right right yeah so i think that's a you know a nice change again if you're you know if you actually need more collaborative stuff you need to look at a solution like cat tv or something to manage your media at a higher level but this is you know again takes a nice it takes a little issue out of the, the mix and at least gets you back to where you were with final cut 7 with you know the added benefit that it probably works a little bit better yeah uh, I mean
1: all in all I I think those were the big talking points right Um, They mentioned they're going to be doing output
0: yeah they mentioned in 2012 you get multicam which I'm just surprised how many people that's important to but it is seemingly just a huge number of people and then um, real video output not sort of second monitor mirroring output which will be very interesting to see how they implement given that uh, there's no hardware framework for them to do that right now no public hardware framework right and so it's a question of whether that's a feature OS 10 is going to gain or whether they're going to do it. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see. I, I mean, it would seem strange for them to do output differently from input, given that there is a, an API called Core Media IO um, that they're using for input, and which is just I and not a, yeah right that there is not an output component for yet. You know, but it also would seem strange for them to add output to an API mid OS cycle.
1: Right. I mean, my assumption is they will. It will be part of Corn Media I.O. and it will not be publicly available until Lion.2.
0: You mean Ocelot? No, Lion.2. That's
1: going to be their new versioning scheme. Oh, OK. Lion.0.2. Lion S. Yes.
0: Um, The other one I thought that was pretty interesting is GPU accelerated export. Uh, And this is something I haven't had a chance to play with yet. Um, but is pretty excited in that they're doing not only rendering but also compression using the GPU now, which they weren't doing in the initial release for exports.
1: Hmm. Interesting. And so, are they doing? I mean, that's something they've been doing in Compressor for a long time, correct?
0: No, I don't no. think Compressor's ever done that.
1: Interesting. Is that'll think, be? I'm be curious to see how much faster it is then.
0: Yeah, I um I haven't had a chance to play with it, but it you know hopefully is um.
1: Now, when we say fat, when we say. GPU compression, we mean H.264 only, Presum- presumably.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, what they're the, the primary thing is that, um, in the way Final Cut X shipped, is that you got real time effects with hardware acceleration when you were playing your project, and as soon as you went to export, all those effects were re rendered on your CPU, um, and now. That rendering will take place on the GPU. So if you got real-time performance while playing back at full resolution, you should hopefully get real-time performance while rendering for export.
1: All right. That I don't. Yeah. This is one of those things that I've never really understood. I mean, there's no reason why. I don't know. It seems like there's a good chance that that will end up being slower than what we used to have.
0: Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. Um... You know, one change that is, is a potential negative with that is that it has to happen in the foreground. You can't do background exporting with GPU acceleration turned on. You can't? No. Interesting. Because they're using your GPU. It would be rather confusing if suddenly your real-time performance went to hell um, or, or whatever.
1: Oh, your real-time playback. Yeah. Right. I gotcha. So, so you, right, you're not saying that you can't have another app foregrounded. Right, you You can't can't keep using
0: Final Cut. Uh, Right. It's not it's not like print a video where it comes up full screen and you have to move your cursor off the window and you know.
1: Yeah, I thought you were implying that they were like gonna draw it to the screen and read it back.
0: Whoa. They should do that.
1: No, they should not. That's probably super efficient. That's when we invented frame buffer objects. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That was I'm sorry I laughed at that. That made me feel nerdy. Why? Um, Moving on, uh, is that all we need to say about Final Cut X? One thing I wanted to say, just jumping back to XML, uh, because this is bothering me on when I look at like the the Cal forums. Uh, XML is. N- just because different apps say they support XML does not mean they can read each other's XML. And so all the people who freaked out as soon as this came out and said, I tried to open an XML I exported from Final Cut 7 and it didn't work. So obviously there's huge bugs in this. It's, it's, that's not the point. Um, Final Cut X reads Final Cut X, XML. Final Cut 7 reads Final Cut 7 and hopefully earlier XML. You know, uh, pages reads pages XML. Um, right, right. Yes, I mean they all- it's not it's not
1: unreasonable to expect that Finica Pro X would read Finica Pro 7 XML
0: well it's not in the I understand that it's not in terms of what a product should do but it, it it's unreasonable in the sense of how XML works like to do that they would have implemented a different parser um, I think people some people seem to think that because everything called XML it's all magically interchangeable. Um, XML is just a way of you know serializing data um, and there's there's nothing about it that sort of magically makes it interchangeable between different apps without those apps specifically supporting the, the formats and sources and things like that. So right. s- stop being mad about that.
1: Right. Man, that
0: one I understand. Oh, you're just more tolerant of people. That's, That's what people be. always say about you. You're so tolerant yes. of people. It's true. Moving on, uh,
1: Intel, Ivy Bridge.
0: Yeah, this is the new chipset Intel's coming out with uh, next year sometime. around right yeah. now.
1: Um, and they have made um, some updates to their onboard GPU. So they have what's called Intel integrated video, right? It's named right. right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Which is their um, integrated graphics, sorry. It's there on the CPU you know video card essentially. The idea is the low end machines as well as, you know, higher end machines on Mac when you're running them in low power mode, just use this mini GPU built into the into the CPU, which handles, you know, graphics. And until now it was You know, it was essentially limited to like a 1080p signal. Um, Couldn't really drive a monitor larger than that.
0: Well, no, they can drive uh, a 27-inch. But that's not too much more than a... No, it's 2560 by 16 or whatever. Right, so maybe double.
1: Not even that. Um, But... Yeah. So basically, it was a. They are now boosting that um, resolution, and they're also boosting their um,
0: their codec playback support. Right. Basically. And so. And they're going up to four K square, so four thousand ninety six by four thousand ninety six for decode. I guess I don't know what they do for for the actual displays they can drive so one question i had is uh um as far as actually driving displays i think displayport right now um only supports up to 3840 by 2160 Um, and so i don't know if there's going to be a new extension of displayport on top of this or maybe that's already happened and the information i've got is just out of date um but most you know Twenty-five, sixty, whatever the resolution of the thirty-inch display was, was you know historically sort of the maximum resolution you could drive over traditional interlinks like dual dual DVI. Right. Um, so it's I mean it's interesting to see in the cheapo graphics that you're getting from Intel, um, especially since this sort of comes as standard with all of the different uh, well. Almost every Mac now ships with this Intel graphics in some form or another, um, whether it's you know the only GPU or not. All right. So I think the point is that this is not designed to drive. Um, what, what would a twenty-seven? You know, is not designed to drive fifty-inch desktop displays. This is dry, designed to drive double density. Well, and displays. it's also
1: designed to drive larger textures. Internally, I mean, one of sure. the other things that you're going to get from this is better GPU perf- performance for, you know, if you're working on a MacBook Air and you're trying to cut 4k video, you're not going to see the 4k image on your 11 inch screen. But that doesn't mean that for all of those compositing operations, it's not faster to upload the entire frame to the GPU. Do the composite and then read it back. Right. I mean, because what happens is if you try to do that scaling before you get to the GPU, then you have to do things like, you know, bicubic interpolation or or even just skipping every pixel gets really expensive when you're trying to do a read. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to just stream all that data to the GPU, let it handle it, let it toss whatever it doesn't need. But to do that, you have to have a GPU that can support textures that are that large. And so. You know, that's one of the big things that we'll get out of this. The other thing that I found kind of interesting, and I didn't, um, I, I wasn't that up to speed on this, but apparently um, they're going to be supporting OpenCL on this chip as well.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, that's cool. So right now when you do, um, so OpenCL is Apple's compute platform for um, parallelization. Highly paralyzed computation. And right now you can target the GPU in hardware GPUs or target CPUs in sort of a serial fashion where it does, you know, it does maybe four operations at once using the, you know, the pipeline depth, the SSE lanes. Um, but what they're saying now is that this chip is going to support. I, what, the way I read it was that it's going to support the GPU model of um, openCL on the integrated graphics side of the
0: die Nice
1: yeah Which mean, I, be it'll be interesting I'm,
0: it makes a lot of sense. I mean you know
1: it does I'm, it'll I'm just curious to see how exactly it's going to work with. Um with that process. I mean, I doubt you're going to be able to target both the CPU and the integrated GPU at the same time as OpenCL compute cores. Sure.
0: But I don't know, Phil. Maybe. Yeah. Um I'm just, you know, I'm I'm itching to start to see these uh double density displays start to show up, which I think we'll start to see. Um, probably not yet this year but early next year I'm expecting to start to see some product shipping with that. On desktops? On desktops or laptops I mean I think we'll you know or iPad 3 Um, but yeah you know I think I I don't know enough about the LCD market to know where the sort of sweet spot for that type of density is right now Um, but I I don't think it'll be too long before we start to see it in products interesting and uh, that's going to be really really nice yeah, I'm not
1: I don't have any major complaints with my 27-inch.
0: Well, but at the same we didn't have complaints with the screens on our iPhone 3s, but I think even you admit that the screen on the iPhone 4 is pretty beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, I don't know. I guess I'll be curious. Um I mean, I think the 27 is in a different league from all other Apple monitors in terms oh, of definitely. density. I mean, you know, your 30-inch to your 27-inch is the, yeah. the 30 looks like crap. Right, um, and so I mean the other
1: thing is I think, I think I would feel a bigger benefit from the new i I think the thing that I appreciated most visually with the iPhone 4 was the the new like glass laminate
0: technology. Yeah, that's true too.:
1: I mean, if they could figure out a way to to move the move the screen through the glass like they did. You know, because right now it's—I li- mean—it's literally just magneted on the front of the
0: the, the glass on the twenty-seven. Yeah, the mean, glass yeah. on
1: twenty-seven is just held on with like tape. Right. Um, and it's sitting—you know—I don't even think it sits against the LCD itself. No, there's
0: a, there's an air gap. It there. just kind of floats it. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, if they could figure out a way to you know mesh those two and then maybe knock, you know, a couple stops of glare off. Yeah, <laughs> I would be really happy with it. You know, I would take that. I would take a matte twenty-seven inch before I would take, you know, double density.
0: Hmm. Well, I guess we'll we'll see. But um, it's just exciting that the you know hardware is starting to be there across the line because obviously, if I would assume that they're going to do double density in laptops before they do desktops, just in terms of LCD manufacturing, and so having. Integrated graphics support for these types of resolutions is critical to them being able to do that. Assuming they're going to keep the the dual GPU model, which I, I think they will, given the the battery hit of going to a dedicated GPU.
1: Yeah, although I mean, it sounds like Intel
0: integrated graphics is
1: not that far behind anymore.
0: I mean, well, I I think that's definitely true. I mean, on my you know my MacBook Pro, I'm on integrated graphics most of the time when I don't have a an external display attached and. And yeah. I've never had a complaint about it. It's not like the bad old days when integrated graphics were almost unusable.
1: Right. Like games didn't work in it or, you know. Right.
0: Um, so on, i mean, I, could, I
1: could imagine a future where they dump GPUs on the low end models again.
0: Yeah. Uh, but you know, I don't, it seems don't think like it's they've quite been
1: driving that. GPUs down market. And I think they could eventually start dropping them and going back up market with that
0: yeah potentially i think we'll we'll, see. you know i think next year will be really interesting in terms of uh displays on mobile devices in general yeah so <sighs> what else? how's it going friday afternoon yeah i'm tired yeah too much typing too many meatballs uh you had this uh red rock micro live lens Active lens mount. What's this all about?
1: Yeah, so it's a. I somebody tweeted it. It's a. Uh, it sound. I mean, what it seems to be is just a ring that sits between your camera, and then you mount your Canon EF mount lens in it, and it turns it into a working four thirds inch. Four thirds inch. You know, because all of you know most of these cameras now accept. And there's some way to put, uh, you know, a thirty-five millimeter or four-thirds lens on the front, but there's the thing is no one's ha- no one's added the electronic hooks to you know,
0: right, get and so the, you have to do get all- the autofocus and auto everything to spin up. Right, And so people have done all kinds of hacks, like where you put the lens on, the cam- on one camera, set the f-stop, and then move it to your actual camera. Or- right. Yeah.
1: But this, it sounds like it... I can't figure out if it... I don't... I mean, I guess it lets you set the aperture. Right. I don't think it allows you to... I mean, does it let you...
0: Autofocus and such. I don't, think, I don't so. think so. I think
1: the only thing it does right now is sets aperture.
0: Which right. I, mean, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing because you know, there's no aperture ring on right a, on a lot of these lenses.
1: Lenses, yeah. But um, I mean, it's foreseeable that in the future we get, you know, data back from the camera in order to push autofocus and such. Sure. Which would be great. I mean, if they can get if they can get this relatively cheap glass you know to do things like autofocus and right then you know then it becomes sort of a workable solution yeah Um,
0: compared to what it is you know now right right which is artsy (laughs) right Um, no I mean I mean it's cool it's you know 450 bucks which is not much um, especially compared to you know what cameras with this type of quality used to cost? Um, you know, to be able to throw an, a nice piece of glass on a really nice camera uh, is a it seems like a, they're going to probably move quite a few of these.
1: Yeah, and I just like you know, I like to see Red Rock. They seem to be making more and more difficult products. I guess, right? You know, like the you know things that require real engineering. Um. You know, I guess. I mean, I guess they started with their lens adapter, which was you know a working piece of equipment. But you know, for a number of years, most of what they were doing was you know Lego type. You know, they were doing manufacturing yeah, rails and gauges. it wasn't. And... Yeah, it was all adapters and rails and such. Right. So it's cool that they're getting more. You know, they did their like follow focus iPad app thing, which was really kind of interesting looking. And uh, you know, this seems like another cool product it's yeah. it's fun to see them get into this market
0: yeah definitely and and obviously they're they're finding success since they've been around for quite a few years now there, yeah so uh you read any good email lately uh, good segue Cause so, let's see, uh, someone from Ari, what What was he? He was the VP Brandon for was... market development. Right. Yeah. He, apparently he's been reading some good email, just not his own. He's been reading the yeah. email of uh, a guy from Band Pro Film and Digital. And
1: yeah, so this is a story that came out this week. Uh, a guy named Markle, Michael Braven, um, who works for Ari now. He used
0: to work for Band Pro. Well, actually, he he's since left Ari as well. Oh, he has? Yes. yes. Um, um his own company. But he
1: was... After he left Banpro and went to work for Ari as a VP, uh, according to, I believe, the FBI or the Justice Department? Mm, someone. Um, he was still checking... His email at Banpro and his boss's email, the R- CEO's. R- right, he
0: had the password for his boss's email and kept logging in and checking it, and apparently, you know, may have used some of that information for something.
1: Um, it's we assume that part's it's not doing clear. with it,
0: yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting the way the case is being handled because the um, the ruling is that he owes about $25,000 in damages including damages and legal fees which in terms of corporate espionage it's um, really cheap yeah. yeah it's you know um not particularly terrifying um he does face some jail time potentially as well but it would not be a lot um and then of course because, what would a story be without a reference to Red? Uh, Jim Jannard posted something on the Red user forums saying that he's somehow involved with this. Um, and the, um, the, the overreactionary way to read what he's posted is that his e- email account was hacked. I think the um, de-redded. Uh, way to read this is that he had sent emails to the cio ceo of band Band, and those emails might have been read
1: um so the the most shocking thing that came out of all this was that band pro is actually named after the founder whose last name is band
0: i did not know that
1: that was that's what i found most shocking huh i thought band pro was like i i I don't know i guess you know because they're Really big, especially out in LA. I, I had kind of always thought that it was like, you know, they had started as a, you know, live sound thing, and kept the name. I, i you know, it was just one of those names that you sort of figured was like, man, it might be band, like the, you know, right. guys who play guitars, or it might be like, who knows? But no, it's last. The founder's last name is Band.
0: Huh. Wow. We've all learned a little something. What I don't—I wonder understand-
1: if, you, if I did like Woodworth Pro, if anyone would ever, if it could ever get to the point where people didn't know that that was because my name is Woodworth. Probably not.
0: No, no, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think there's even a chance of that. That's a shame. Um, what I don't really understand about this case, that the reporting calls Band Pro an RE competitor. As far as I know, Band Pro is a rental house, right?
1: Right, but I mean, I think they're a competitor in the sense that Ari, I mean Ari, at least in the film days, their business model was similar to Panavision, wasn't it? Sure, where they yeah. didn't actually sell their cameras. I think they, I think they did both. But right, obviously rental but I mean, I think the... they did. I think they were a rental house as well, and where they would, you know,
0: make cameras and mostly rent them out. Sure, and I noticed that Band does not rent Ari gear. So, hmm. not even the Alexa or anything. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's. I'm pretty sure that's
0: how they compete. Like, hmm. I can't think of another way. Yeah. Um, it just seems it's not like Band is out there making, you know, the Super 35 cameras right. in, in their workshop. Um, so weird. Okay. um, You know, one of those industry intrigues. A Re- reminder that it is a very small world.
1: Yeah. So So I didn't put this on the list. I'm really excited about the new RED... What's new? They got a couple of things. They have a so new laser. Really fort- going to do Scarlet. That's so that's real now. Because it's, they don't announce something if it's real. They right. announced that a couple weeks ago. Right. They, well, so we well, they announced Scarlet what four years itself? ago,
0: and then right. they've just announced that they're totally about to announce Scarlet.
1: No, they announced that they're going to be taking credit cards. Like,
0: well, they're going to announce what the camera actually is on November third. I think. Oh. So far, they've just announced that they're going to announce the product that they announced four years ago.
1: Red's, like, claim that they're not going to pre-announce stuff is such BS. They've already, it took them, like, two days to break down.
0: Yeah. They also announced the 4K laser projector.
1: They didn't announce that they're ever going to ship it in their defense. They just announced that they made one and that it's very cool.
0: Right just like the Red Ray, which they announced three or four years ago as well. Um, Another product that I don't believe has ever shipped, may never ship, but would be really awesome.
1: Behind all of this, a lot of people think that, that Jim, Jim Janner, started the company because he wanted a hobby and he thought video, you know, he's got, you know, an interest in video and he wanted to sort of, you know shake up the industry. My theory is that Jim started the company because he had a hobby of PR <laughs> and he wanted a good way to release lots of press
0: releases. It does I mean honestly I think I'm pretty plugged into this industry but I have real trouble keeping track of which products they've ever actually shipped and you know which they consider finished products that they're shipping and which are like, you know, lab built project products that they've sent to a few people and I don't know
1: yeah it's like some guy working in his garage
0: like showing
1: people what he's doing why doesn't jim just start a blog and like this is video of the thing we milled today right guess what it is no you guessed wrong let me tell you what it is
0: (laughs) yeah it's uh i mean it's it's a strange company it's a very strange company because obviously they've had a lot of success
1: yeah no i mean they're making
0: things right which you know. and they
1: have i mean the strange thing is i mean i guess it works for them because for the most part i mean they've built you know a rabid fan base
0: yeah i mean the red fans you know are on par with apple fans maybe even a little more intense. i would say they're worse. yeah
1: i mean but i think you know i don't know like I don't know what they gain by pre-announcement. I mean I, guess, I mean, I guess there are a lot of people who just hang out on Rent's forums all day long. Right. With the hope that, you know, they're going to see today's product announcement. Um, and that, I mean, there's got to be some value in that, but I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, I feel like there are a lot of people like us who just get sort of overloaded by all of it. And I mean, as a company, you would think you would want people to know about the products that you do ship more than the ones that you don't,
0: right? Well, and to have a better understanding of yeah, what's available and what works, and you know, what has finished firmwares. Although I don't think any of their products have finished firmwares. Um, I don't know. And it's 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 a very strange user base too, because of course these are not cheap products. They're they're cheaper than some of the alternatives, although not by a lot anymore. But they've sort of got this following of hobbyists and amateurs and sort of prosumery types who like to think of themselves as higher end users. But, you know, I would guess if you looked at the the number of red ones that are in use day to day for commercial purposes versus the number of Ari Alexas that are in use day to day for commercial purposes, you know, on a percentage basis, um, there's a lot of reds that sit on the shelves and look pretty, I think. You think so? I think so. I think there's a lot of people who... I don't
1: think they sold that many to... I think they're mostly in use. I mean, I think they mm. all, most of them went to rental houses and such.
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, they've sold a fair number. I've heard numbers that are in the many thousands.
1: Yeah, I've heard like single-digit thousands.
0: But, you know, from just looking at red user posts occasionally and things, you know, people post these photos of like their home office where they've built a special rack to hold their red and behind glass and... You know, you pull it out once a year for your big trip to the, I don't know, the 4K play park. Um, But I don't know. It's a strange user base because anybody who has that much time to hang out on a user forum is probably not actually working with the product.
1: Eh, I'm not
0: sure about that. I mean... Really?
1: I don't know. I know people who use the camera fairly regularly and they, you know, they're just the sort of... There are of our generation when they're constantly
0: online. Yeah, I don't know. the The Red User form reminds me a lot of uh, lemonlimon.com dot <laughs> com. <Be> Penises. <laughs> it kind of is, though. No, <laughs> the little den leader and uh, I don't know. How's it? If 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 you. I mean, you I don't know. I'd joke, be curious. You know, I mean. Friends. Go ahead.
1: I guess, I, I mean, what what they need, they need a COO. Yeah. That's what they need. They need a Tim Cook. They need someone who can, like, make sure stuff hits schedules. And then they, I mean, they have everything else. Right. You know, Jim seems to be uh, rich. rich and a visionary. And, you know, he's got a fairly good idea of where he wants to take the company. But he doesn't seem, he seems more interested in figuring out where the company should be in five years than where it should be in two months right i don't know they need a.
0: it's sort of like uh you know a number of their appearances at nab and things have been sort of last minute affairs like oh wait should we be there and and then they sort of scrambled to put things together it's just unfocused yeah
1: but the cameras i mean they're cool they work you know
0: they're you know i as we've discussed before i think that the the time of 4k being a defining factor is passed, but, uh, I think they're, you know, it's a credible camera and it, it is great for certain needs and less great for other needs and good for them. Now, you know, it moved the industry forward at a pace that it probably wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing that it did. I mean, they we have to
1: thank them for that. They, uh, they definitely lit a fire under the, normal camera manufacturers the larger camera manufacturers
0: <laughs> yeah so uh, anything else before we get to our mm, do we want to mention the laser projector I don't know they announced a thing that they might ship someday I don't know what What else is there to say about it I, don't, I guess that's it it's a projector made out of lasers but I don't think they're the first ones to do that I was trying to figure out how that would work. Well, it's just you know you scan and you have persistence uh, of no, vision I mean, or something.
1: Yeah, I mean everyone I've I mean the problem that I've heard, uh, you know, because I the only place I've seen lasers, laser projectors used is in the like sub micro, right? The, the PK projectors, yeah. And the problem with all of them is that there's nothing to to persist with the right. image. It's not like a decaying head. phosphor. Right, it's not a decaying phosphor, but you know, you never get that on a projector, but with most projectors it's like throwing light across the entire image.
0: Oh, here we go. Entire no, no, no. scan. It doesn't work like that. How does it work? The video signal is introduced to the laser beam by an acousto-optic modulator that uses a photorefractive crystal to separate the beam at distinct diffraction angles. The beam must enter the crystal at a specific Bragg angle of that aom crystal a piezoelectric element transforms the video signal into vibrations in the crystal to create a diffraction grating so it's not scanning it's projecting the whole frame you sure yeah you sure that's not just for
1: steering the laser
0: oh i guess i could keep reading let's see A rapidly rotating polygonal mirror gives the laser beam the horizontal refresh modulation. It reflects off a curved mirror onto a galvanometer mounted mirror, which provides the vertical refresh.
1: Right. So, all that does is modulate the intensity or the color. Right. Yeah. So, it still scans like a regular, Hmm. like a CRT. And the problem, I mean, the problem with the Pico ones, and they're not as bad because they don't fill your uh, peripheral vision. But the big problem with, with the few laser projectors I've seen, is that with nothing to persist the image, they're really painful to look at. Sure. Because if you blink or if you move your head, you know how you get that like strobing when you move your head in front of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, and, and like peripheral vision is horrible with those little projectors. Like you can easily see the, the sort of scanning pulse. So I don't know. I mean, it seems like that would be a major problem. But
0: Well, I guarantee if they ever build that product, they'll totally maybe solve that in a future firmware revision. Uh, such a hater. Yeah. Don't tell the forums.
1: It's better than your camera. What camera did you ship?
0: Whatever. Called? My camera's totally going to be better. You should send me a deposit. <laughs> Here, let me show you what a uh, 8K image would look like. Uh, remember they did that for like four years. They had like you know yeah. 4K JPEGs that were scans of 35 millimeter film.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying. And they did good. They didn't. They made good on their promises. They
0: did. I'm. I'm just saying. It's a funny company. What well, do you? What do you got? What do you want to talk about? Uh, in your area. In my
1: yeah, my. Uh, so I have two fun chatters this week, sort of the state of the art and I don't know what they are. they're, brain, they're the two things imaging. that made me think of the uh that we are in the future now. So the I first didn't. one is a is a Vimeo video. Uh,
0: um I haven't seen this.
1: So, oh, it's crazy. It's this guy, Kevin McDonald on Vimeo posted. A video of a face replacement algorithm he's working on. The idea being they do facial recognition of a picture and so they figure out where you oh know God. eyeballs and stuff are on this this still image that you give it. And then it does face tracking of a moving video and essentially morphs that picture onto the other person and blends it. This is terrifying. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> some do better than others. I mean, obviously it what it doesn't do well right now is depth things where it has to deal with occlusion right. like Things where you have the same sort of occlusion problems, like a nose on most people is pretty similar, but things like facial hair can cause some problems. Um, there's one with like Dolly's uh, funny mustache, which doesn't work very well right but
0: but it's it's pretty cool. And uh <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, and it's open source. Or no, he's using open source projects. No, he's
1: using is. yeah, he's using the face
0: tracker stuff. But um yeah, it's a
1: it's a neat demo of where we're going to be soon. And uh I mean yeah, this it's it's the future. We're going to be able to like put on digital masks of other people yeah. and make fake you know, birthday videos for friends from Brad Pitt.
0: Huh? I won't have to like, uh, you know, skin, skin, skin them, and yeah, <laughs> wear their suits, their skin suits anymore.
1: That'll save me a lot of time. So yeah, it's crazy cool. And then the other, the other outrageous thing that made us rounds on the internet this week is this uh, research out of UC Berkeley where they have stuck people into a functional MRI and they have everything at such a granularity now that they're able to rebuild a picture from the inside of your head of what you're looking at at the moment. This is and they have, they have like side-by-side videos of the, the YouTube video that the person is watching and their reconstruction from from the fmri data it's insane yeah. i mean it's obviously not a perfect image yet but it is
0: it's crazy that, that it can be done at all yeah is yeah just insane
1: and it's it's exactly what you would assume it would be like like when you when you're looking at a person you don't see like the recreation is not that person's face it's like this amalgam of all sorts of people's faces that you're remembering. I don't I mean, I, who knows what it really is? I mean, who knows how they're rebuilding this? They may be
0: they're searching YouTube for videos that look like this. No, my that... assumption
1: is they do something like train right. the software. So they show you a thousand pictures of people right, and figure out where those spots are in the brain. And, and then when you see that, they take all those thousand images of people and blur them together. And that's what they show. Right. But, you know, it's, it's weird looking. I don't know. You got to see it to believe it. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, pretty, it's, it looks starting. like one of those. I mean, and the effect looks exactly like an artist's rendering of what you would want that effect to look like. <laughs> I mean, it's like straight out of an episode of House where they come up with some BS technology to read people's brains. Right, like it's phenomenal. I think there was an episode of House where they did this, and it looked
0: pretty similar. It's crazy. It's prescient. Yeah, this is uh, this is fascinating. I would love to uh, see more of this research rather than um, just the sort of short short blurbs. Um, And so, yeah, are there actually publications on this? My
1: five-year prediction: Uh, I am guessing that when they get a little bit better at this, that Google will be offering free hotel stays. The
0: capsule hotels, right? In Japan. capsule yeah, hotels.
1: <laughs> that you can't wear any metal in. <laughs> they're a little noisy, but they're free.
0: It's all in the service of serving you better hat. <laughs> all right. Um, I had a, a very boring um, chatter thing this week um, and relates to one of our earlier stories in in a very similar way, which is the Red Rock micro tie was a little minor little thing they announced at, uh, probably at IBC or I don't know, they announced recently, um, which are just these cute little cable ties um, designed to work specifically with their rail system to sort of channel your, your cables nicely along their rails. Um, and they're, I mean, they're cheap little clippy type things rather than having to zip tie your cables on. Um, and I thought they were really cute. And I'm always a sucker for interesting cable management that goes beyond uh, zip ties without uh, adding a ton of complexity or hassle to uh, working with them. I don't remember. Are you someone you do zip tie all your cables at your back am, of your computer?
1: I used to, but I'm scared to death of zip ties now. Why? Because I went to that sim that oh, simpy yeah. thing where the guy from Felkin, uh, not Belkin belkin no
0: no he was from one of the like
1: scammy companies wasn't he no he was from the big one the big one's belden belden yeah yeah he was from belden and he he had like uh you know like 3g um spectrum analysis of signal loss when you put a zip tie on a cable it's very scary it's so a no zip size now. And you lay and all this your is like harmonic. I understand. Like I taught how the cable works, and you're actually changing the capacitance of the thing and sure. oh, yeah. it causes reflection. I'm not.
0: What does it do to the image quality
1: in your digital checksum stream? It's all fine until it stops
0: running. Come Okay. So at some distance, on the order yeah. of kilometers, your SDI cable... Oh, none of those.
1: Oh. Those, those, it's crazy how short it's getting with some of these higher bandwidth things. They're like right up against the edge of the technology now.
0: Hmm. What's three uh, G's limit? I mean, HDSDI on you know one point five G can run for for quite a distance on good cable.
1: I think. I mean, they're I think they're under a hundred meters
0: now. Wow. Okay. Three G. Hmm.
1: And that's with the nice cable.
0: Hmm.
1: So, yeah, I mean, it's getting to be more difficult. I don't know how you wire. You know 30
0: rock nowadays well you convert it all to optical yeah i guess so or you know i don't know it doesn't sound like there's a lot of wiring going on at 30 rock these days
1: oh if you you should see i got a tour of their facility a friend of mine works there as an engineer yeah and they've they have so much cable there well yeah they've had to take they've had to take out uh elevators they've like gutted parts of the building and taken out the elevator shaft so that every floor just like empties into this pit and then they run all the cables down the elevator shaft between floors. Nice. Like the entire elevator shaft is full of HDSDI. Huh. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, makes sense. A lot of gear. Yeah. They used to produce TV there. What are you talking about? What? NBC. come on. Come they on. Don't, they don't make TV anymore? Not much. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I think we're done.
1: Yeah, I've had my I've had my fill of criticism for the week.
0: Next week uh, we'll talk about gamma. Let's get let's get serious. Let's talk about gamma. Okay. And gamma. Read up
1: on read up on pointin'.
0: Yeah. Do your multidimensional calculus too. Huh a different project okay let's go talk to you next week
1: Uh uh-huh